It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Daylight shooting at a Burnaby shopping complex. The new details emerging as the victim is identified. Plus... Our fuels are still very susceptible to ignition. It, the drought code is still very high. Strong winds fanning the flames in the South Okanagan. The concerns over drought conditions and the flare-ups in fire activity. And then... Thousands lacing up for Terry Fox, celebrating 43 years honoring Port Coquitlam's very own and how they're bringing back an old tradition. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start in the central Okanagan just as the province tries to wind down from its worst wildfire season on record. A new fire has started in the central Okanagan. As Victoria Famia reports, the fire ballooned in size as a result of aggressive winds and above average temperatures. Strong winds fueling a wildfire burning 15 kilometers west of Peachland near Glen Lake. Today we're going to be having an initial attack crew, a heavy equipment strike team, which is a unit of multiple pieces of heavy equipment, as well as aerial resources that will be responding to the incident. The fire has grown quite significantly since it was first discovered Saturday evening. And since then, crews have been working on it nonstop. And some of those resources are being shared with the McDougal Creek wildfire, including helicopters, which are only being used when conditions allow. We've seen that increase in activity also due to the current conditions that we're experiencing. So those higher temperatures, lower humidities, coupled with those stronger winds have led to the growth on this fire. By 5 p.m. Sunday, the fire had already forced evacuation orders for properties along Glen Lake Forest Service Road, and it had grown to 100 hectares, exhibiting rank three to five behaviors. Rank three, you're looking at that moderate moderately vigorous surface fire with some candling of trees. When you start to get into rank four and five, you start to get to highly or extremely vigorous surface fires um, with some passive and active crown fire. So you start to see that move up the, the, the length of the trees and up into the higher portions of the trees there. And not far from Peachland, smoke covering West Kelowna, mainly a result of increased fire activity on the McDougal Creek wildfire. The increased smoke is, uh, is due to the fire's movement within the, the, the fire's perimeter, uh, burning previous unburnt uh, fuels. This burning of uh, fuel is within the fire perimeter and is not additional growth. Smoke from within the perimeter of the wildfire is common and is expected. The Glen Lake fire is suspected to be human-caused, which BC Wildfire Service says is a reminder of just how easy fires can start during the ongoing drought. Victoria Famia, Global News. And two wildfires are still burning in the South Okanagan and crews were busy over the weekend as both fires were showing an increase in fire activity due to the humidity and winds. TFS has that side of the story. Smoke covered the South Okanagan over the weekend as hotter temperatures and strong winds have triggered a spike in wildfire activity. 
Crews continue to battle two wildfires in the area. The Upper Park Rill Creek fire burning near Twin Lakes is estimated to be just over 2,000 hectares. So that one has also seen um, some increase in activity as well, and we still have an initial attack crew assigned to this incident as well, still classified as being held. Um, and we have seen that activity increase both within the perimeter or yeah, within the perimeter and on, as, along the perimeter as well, um, but still within those larger predetermined boundaries. While the Crater Creek wildfire burning near Carameas is around 46,500 hectares. Over the last few days, you've seen that smoke come up. That has both been from pockets within the perimeter of that unburnt fuel, as well as along that perimeter as well. So you are people in the area are like likely to see and smoke come up again today on this fire. The increased fire activity is happening within the fire perimeter. And according to BC Wildfire Service, the Crater Creek wildfire is still classified as being held. Going into today with the weather that we're still expecting to see, these higher temperatures, really low um, relative humidities and increased winds, we are expecting to see more increased activity on that fire today. Although fall is just around the corner, BC Wildfire says this serves as a reminder that wildfire season is not over yet. I think based on this, you can see our fuels are still very susceptible to ignition. It, the drought code is still very high. And when we have these higher temperatures and lower humidity, you can still see that increased fire activity as well with the stronger winds that are also expected today. 20 BC wildfire personnel were working to contain the Crater Creek wildfire on Sunday, as well as one helicopter. TFS Global News. A wildfire on the Sunshine Coast continues to grow, prompting an evacuation order to be expanded. The order is in place for 10 properties in a remote area near Clahome Lake. The Clahome Lake fire is burning 29 kilometers northeast of Seashelt. It was first discovered late last month, grew to more than 200 hectares by Friday, and has now grown to 450 hectares. And an evacuation order has been issued for a remote area in the Shokolton region because of the Hell Raving Creek fire. The Caribou Regional District issuing an order for a large swath of land just south of the community of Tat Tatla Lake, which is around three hours west of Williams Lake. The order impacts the Horn Lake and Sap Eye Lake recreational sites. The fire is more than 11,000 hectares in size and is believed to have been sparked. By lightning. It has all the hallmarks of a targeted hit, a takedown in broad daylight followed by a burning car found a short distance away. And we now know who was killed Saturday night in a Burnaby Parkade, but why is still under wraps as investigators piece together what happened. Grace Key reports. Investigators have been here at Northgate Village Shopping Center for most of the day gathering evidence. The victim in all of this has now been identified as 29-year-old Gagandeep Sandhu of Abbotsford. Investigators believe this was a targeted incident, though the motive remains unclear at this time. The shooting happened shortly after 5 p.m. Saturday in the underground parkade. When first responders arrived, the victim was found inside a parked vehicle. Shortly after the shooting, a black Honda 
Honda Pilot was set on fire in the area of Greenwood Street and Bainbridge Avenue, just a few kilometers away. Investigators are trying to determine if the car fire is related to the shooting. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is asking for witnesses or anyone with dash cam footage who may have been in either of these areas between 4 and 5.30 p.m. on Saturday to come forward. In Burnaby, Grace Key, Global News. One man has been arrested after a fight led to a stabbing in Sook. Police say they were called just after 6 last night to Sook Road near Church Road for a report of a man who had been stabbed. Once they arrived, they learned it was actually two people who were stabbed. Police and witnesses began first aid until paramedics arrived. Both victims were taken to hospital with serious injuries. A 21-year-old man is in custody. Anyone with information is asked to call Sook RCMP. And three people are in hospital following a stabbing in Abbotsford. It happened just before 7 last night at an apartment building in the 1900 block of McCallum Road. Police say two people were stabbed and were rushed to hospital with serious life-threatening injuries. Officers then located a suspect who police say was rushed to hospital with apparent self-inflicted wounds. Police believe the incident was targeted and there is no further risk to the public. Surrey RCMP are investigating a series of collisions that left several vehicles badly damaged. Details are still limited. However, we do know Delta's Ladner Trunk Road was closed to traffic for some time last night. Video from the scene shows an SUV flipped onto its side into an embankment. Meantime, in Surrey, a car slammed into a fence next to a house on 68th Avenue and 128th Street. Further north on 128th Street near 80th Avenue, a vehicle can be seen severely charred with police and fire both on scene. It's believed the rampage began in Delta and ended in Surrey. Surrey RCMP say more information will be released Monday morning. And human error is suspected to be behind this crash at Victoria Drive and Venable Street in Vancouver. Police say the driver collided with an unoccupied parked car last night at around 11.30 before rolling over. The driver was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. And Premier David Eby has dropped a member of his caucus. In a statement, Eby says misconduct was found on the part of Parksville Qualicum MLA Adam Walker. Global News spoke to Walker earlier this week after he said he was gored in his yard by a deer. E.B. says he can't disclose any additional details about the HR complaint, but Walker will no longer be a parliamentary secretary. And here's something to consider when making your fall travel plans as work continues on the Kicking Horse Canyon. The Trans-Canada Highway will be closed for two extended periods this month. The first closure starts tomorrow, which will see the section of Highway East F. Golden closed from tomorrow until Friday, September 22nd. The second closure is scheduled for next Monday. There will be 12 full days of closure until October 6th, and there will also be overnight closures with detours through Radium, which will add an extra hour and a half to travel times, and drivers are advised to check Drive BC. 
There has been another earthquake off northern Vancouver Island, the third already today. The magnitude 4.0 tremor happened just after 8 local time, about 145 kilometers west of Port McNeil. This quake followed two others overnight. According to Earthquakes Canada, a moderate 5.5 quake was registered in the same general area around 4.30 a.m., Earlier at around 3 a.m., there was a 4.2 magnitude quake nearby, about 192 kilometers west of Port Hardy. Earthquakes Canada says there are no reports of damage and no tsunami is expected. However, seismologists say aftershocks are expected. There will be aftershocks for both of these events. Um, that, then again, because these are part of this ongoing swarm, um, they'll just be a part of this swarm as it continues. And it's hard to say for exactly how long the swarm will go. It was very active on Thursday and died down a little bit, but it's still producing a few earthquakes each day for the last few days. So I would expect it would, wouldn't be surprising for there to be some more earthquakes of the magnitude 4 or 5. British Columbians are reminded to be prepared with an earthquake emergency kit and plan. Dozens rallied outside a downtown Vancouver Border Services office calling for status for all migrants. Demonstrators say they want Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to follow through on his promise of granting permanent resident status to all landed and future migrants in Canada. The rally comes one day before the parliamentary session is set to begin. One demonstrator says it's time to get rid of temporary and pilot programs for migrants. I came here as domestic workers under the Foreign Domestic Movement Program. It changes to Living Caregiver Program. It changes to Temporary Foreign Workers Program. And then there are two pilots, the Home Support Program and the Health, the Child Care Programs. Why is it that they keep on changing the programs? They have to grant if they want workers, childcare workers, home support workers, they are already here and they are working here already. Similar rallies were held across the country. Today is the big day as thousands turned out across the country and around the world for the 43rd annual Terry Fox Run. In Fox's hometown of Port Coquitlam, more than 3,000 runners hit the pavement at 10 a.m. to honor their local hero. In addition to the run, a bicycle ride took place this year. The Dear Terry t-shirt rather, is designed by local actor Ryan Reynolds. Runners can also leave a message for the Fox family on Dear Terry postcards. Uh, what you may not know is that during the uh, Terry's Marathon of Hope 43 years ago, people would write postcards and letter as, and it would just say, Dear Terry, throw it in the mailbox, and they'd still end up here uh, in Port Coquitlam. So we're going to take that, that uh, sort of tradition or that sort of idea and uh, get people to fill out their own memories on postcards. Organizers say donations have surpassed past years with proceeds going toward cancer research and initiatives. Three, two, one, Meantime, several hundred people turned out for the Terry Fox run in Langley. 
Participants did either a one, five or 10 kilometer walk or run around Douglas Park. And they all got these famous stickers at the finish line to mark their competition of the run. Terry Fox runs took place across the globe today, including in Croatia, India and Singapore. Still ahead, metal T-Rex on the move. The massive stainless steel dinosaur leaving for greener pastures. The larger-than-life story behind the prehistoric revival. Plus, no mistakes here, just maybe happy accidents. Bob Ross's first painting is up for sale. The million-dollar price it's going for. Fraser Valley artist is preparing to move a stainless steel sculpture of prehistoric proportions. The massive T-Rex has been in the works for more than two years in a Chilliwack warehouse. This week, it will be moved to its new home in the Okanagan. But as Kamal Karamali reports, it won't be easy. Meet Alice. So I started with the inside of the mouth. 17,000 pounds. And now that the teeth are in, it's also dangerous. Of stainless steel. Overall, I think we're somewhere in that neighborhood of 50 to 51 feet long. The giant Tyrannosaurus Rex took more than two years to build. We're probably 23-ish feet or maybe 24 feet in the air by the time his head is attached. Using only hand tools. They're all generally tools that were used, you know, even 100 years ago. So big, it's never been fully assembled. I've never seen it together, ever. Sculptor Kevin Stone, approached by a multi-millionaire to commission the project, bought for nearly $400,000. It'll be installed on a private property in Penticton overlooking Okanagan Lake, but still visible to the public. Everybody that gets to see it is seeing it with me for the first time. Once it's all put together. So that has me really nervous. It's always nerve-wracking when you don't even know what you've built. (laughs) Stone and his wife now putting the polishing touches, but here comes the hard part. On Tuesday, it'll have to be transported from where it was built in Chilliwack, roughly 300 kilometers to Penticton. There's always the risk of... Accidents, road damage, um, you know, something happens, uh, lifting it or flipping it. The risk of all of his work going extinct, but for now, taking a moment. Sometimes when I finish these projects, I really don't know how I did it. In watching his creation roar to life. Kamal Karamali, Global News. After the break, help for PTSD survivors. The BC facility assisting military veterans and first responders and why Honor Ranch needs your help in supporting clients. Plus, it's the Vancouver premiere of a highly anticipated Bollywood film. The BC actors making a splash amid talented international superstars. Fighters with the Cops for Kids charity fundraiser rolled into Kelowna today, ending a 10-day fundraising journey. The group left Kelowna on September 8th and rode to Cranbrook up to Revelstoke and back. The riders are made up of law enforcement from the southeastern district and their supporters. The ride stopped in various communities along the way to meet families. Cops for Kids raises money for families dealing with a large array of struggles from needing to be away from home with a sick child to investing in specialized equipment rather to improve quality of life. This year's ride so far has raised $315,000.
It's a car race of a different kind and an organization that supports first responders in asking for the public's help. Honor Ranch offers care for military members and first responders who are suffering from PTSD, but they need to get some new wheels to deliver the services needed by so many. Julia Foy has the details. Honor Ranch needs you. Up in the hills above Ashcroft is a place created to help military members and vets, first responders and families receive treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. I've seen huge success already. We'll save hundreds and hundreds of lives at Honor Ranch. I can see it already. It's the latest project created by the nonprofit Honor House Society. It was inspired by one of the volunteers. My late husband, uh, Joseph Alina, was a member of the Canadian Armed Forces for 15 years. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his battle with PTSD in 2018 and he took his own life. Gerard is an RCMP constable who's planning to volunteer at the ranch when some horses arrive for therapy next week. The vehicle I'm driving right now is a matter of sometimes hour to hour whether I'm going to get from point A to point B. But right now the ranch has a different kind of horsepower problem. Already. 18 years old with hundreds of thousands of kilometers. We maintain our equipment well, but um, to get through the heavy, cold winters, and then now with the firefighting seasons. Otter Ranch has entered a competition to win a Land Rover Defender to replace the old truck. They're now one of five finalists from across North America. Which will help immensely for our men and women, tendering to and from, fighting our fires, helping to plow our roads in the winter so we can help our men and women in uniform who give unconditionally to the people of this province. The public can vote for Honor Ranch on the Defender Service Awards Land Rover Canada website or on Honor House's social media until October 4th. Win or lose, volunteers say the work will continue. We're hoping that more people can know about Honor Ranch, that we are reducing the stigma around mental health and the things that us as first responders and military personnel and vets face. Julia Foy, Global News. Honor Ranch isn't the only organization from B.C. to be in the running for that Land Rover. In the search, rescue and emergency support services category, Squamish Search and Rescue Society is also a fun. A Bollywood film loaded with talent and scenery from across the province premiered in Vancouver today. The stars of Safar Zadeh, The Princess and the Iron Horses arriving at the legendary Real Theatre today ahead of the highly anticipated debut. The story revolves around seven sick bikers who try saving an Indian princess from her stepmother's princess. The film was shot around the Comox Valley and all the actors are from B.C., including the lead actor who plays a doctor and is in his first film. They're all local talent. There's no Bollywood actors, but they're going towards Bollywood. I'm a heavy-duty mechanic by trade, but in the doctor, uh, in the movie, I'm actually a road captain and a doctor, and I'm a senior writer, so that's why I'm leading the way wherever we are going. I think it's an amazing storyline. I, I believe it's, it's a different something, a different presentation. Absolutely uh, from the different uh, Indian movies that we see regularly. Have you ever been to a Bollywood movie before? No, this is my first, yeah. And what are your thoughts so far? I want to watch more now. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, so entertaining. The music part was like the best part of the movie. The producer of the film tells us a sequel is in the works.
Coming up, death-defying stunt. The Vancouver Island man hanging from a crane in a straight jacket 30 meters up. His heart-stopping stunt after the break. Very first painting from the beloved Bob Ross program, The Joy of Painting, is now up for sale. Signed by the TV presenter and painter, the original oil painting, A Walk in the Woods, is listed at $9.85 million. Modern Artifact, a Minnesota-based gallery, is selling the piece, and it's one of several Ross paintings the owner, Ryan Nelson, has acquired over the years. Nelson purchased it from a PBS worker who owned it for 40 years, buying it at an auction shortly after the show's premiere. This painting right here is the most important painting. You could call it the rookie card of Bob Ross. This is the painting painted on season one, episode one. I would consider any situation where we can put it out to the public. I would rather be able to travel the piece, let other people enjoy it. Despite the listing online, Nelson says he may not sell it in the near future. He is also declined to share how much his company paid for it. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot of money, Yvonne. That's like winning the lottery by having that painting, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, it's a good investment, a good return. But you can just watch it for free and follow That's along true. with Bob Ross. And That's true. That's what you and tricks. I will be doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how we'll enjoy the art. Absolutely. How's it, How's it out there? <laughs> uh, we actually have seen a few sprinkles along the south coast, and we are going to track that as we get in towards this evening. But there are some bright spots for our long-range forecast, and I'll have that coming up in just a moment. We can see that just overlooking Vancouver Island. Temperatures are currently sitting at 17. We've got an easterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. It's been spotty, but we'll continue to track some uh, cloud, especially as we get an overnight tonight. And we are going to see that push in towards the interior as well. The bulk of the moisture has fallen through the day, and that's been along the north and central coast with very windy conditions. So the plan overnight tonight will be the chance for some showers as we approach the morning hours. By the time we get to work and school and heading out the front door, it should dry out and we'll actually be into some sunshine if you're planning your outfit for tomorrow. Now, the northeastern corners of the province, the central half even extending into the central and southern regions of the Okanagan. All areas in grey still underneath the smoky skies bulletin where we're tracking that smoke over the next 24 and potentially up to 48 hours and with it windy conditions a southwesterly wind for the peace. We have seen some of those gusts and the potentials there with gusts still up to 50 kilometers per hour and very windy conditions along the north and central coast. We'll be watching that closely. I did want to pull this up once again. The fire danger rating we're not seeing any significant precipitation so please be very diligent. The Northeastern corners of the province high to extreme and much of the southern half still sitting at high and the southern tip of Vancouver Island at extreme. Now the northern half of the province will continue to track that rainfall this evening. We're even still seeing the potential and the risk of thunderstorms. We've got that widespread smoke for the peace central interior and it'll be hazy for much of the southern interior. Now the southern interior still has the potential for a few showers lingering in the morning hours and then drying out towards the afternoon. Whistler could also see some of those showers still for the morning clearing highest by the afternoon up to 17 degrees bright spots though right along the south coast will be through the afternoon and similar for the lower mainland highs tomorrow just up to 18 degrees we are going to see a blip in the forecast that looks to be on our Tuesday a greater chance for some showers and then Wednesday Thursday we're rebounding back into some sunshine highs between 18 and 19 degrees Krista looks good thanks Yvonne a local magician reached great heights on Vancouver Island to pull off his latest stunt Magician Craig McKee was tied into a straitjacket and lifted 30 meters high over the Cowichan exhibition in Duncan. 
making matters more difficult. He was upside down as he tried to free himself from the straitjacket. And with the crowd cheering him on, he managed to escape in what he calls one of the greatest thrills of his career. I actually got distracted on the way up by just looking around at the scenery we have here on Vancouver Island. It was absolutely amazing to see it. Uh, and then I realized how high I was. Uh, it was an absolute thrill and I think one of the most brilliant parts was coming down, seeing the looks on everyone's faces and hearing the cheers and knowing that, you know, something just happened. <laughs> he says he hopes to do another stunt at next year's fair, but exactly what he'll do is in the works. Well, he is a magician amazing. by trade, so... <laughs> you need, I think you need amazing uh, ab strength to do that while you're yep. upside down. Yep. And not to mention uh, freaking out with a straight jacket <laughs> yeah. on. That's cool, pretty amazing. calm and collective. That's right. yeah. yeah, he was awesome. What's uh, we got a lot coming up. We have a great feature on Nick Taylor. I caught up with Nick earlier this week in Abbotsford. Of course, he won the Canadian Open. He talks about that. Future goals, hoping to make the President's Cup team uh, next year. But the Seahawks played today and they won. But maybe one of the most entertaining parts of the game was the referee calling a penalty. Take a look. Attentional grounding. Offense number seven. It's a 10-yard penalty. I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. Penalty and a loss of down. Second down. That is the best line I've ever heard, Adam Official. We'll get to the penalty in a minute. That's right. Don't interrupt me. I'm talking to America. America. That's, that's a, a lot of people. That's a lot of people. He's got Let the me, stage set up. That's right. You're in my close-up. Get out of the way. So I'm sure that guy is going to get a lot of pub over the next while. That's all hey, coming. That up. will go viral, I think. Yeah, starting to, right? Okay, thanks so much, Barry and Yvonne. Well, still ahead, Indigenous Day of Action. The continued search for two murdered Manitoba women as protesters take their demands to legislatures across Canada. Protests will be held across the country tomorrow for an Indigenous Day of Action, calling for a search for two murdered Manitoba women. Global's Catherine Dornian has more on their demands and how this movement has grown over the past several months. Tomorrow, protesters will bring a message to governments across the country. Rallies are planned in major cities from Victoria to Halifax. In Winnipeg, where the movement began, organizers say hundreds will take to the steps of the Manitoba legislature. We share experiences. We remember our loved ones. We say their names and we remind the people that we are people. These protests reignited in July after Premier Heather Stephenson refused to support a search of a Winnipeg-area landfill for the remains of two Indigenous women. Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron were killed last year, along with two others, Rebecca Contois and Buffalo Woman, who remains unidentified. A Winnipeg man is charged with first-degree murder in their deaths. So we're going to keep getting louder. You're going to keep hearing our voices. The call to search the landfill has galvanized both Indigenous people and allies all across the country. Priscilla Omulo, organizing tomorrow's protest in Victoria, says the story of these women has touched a nerve. There is a level of, you know, for Indigenous folks, um, could I be next? And for the non-Indigenous folks, trying to figure out how do I be an ally? Where do we go from here? What do I do? She believes Canadians are experiencing a watershed moment of reckoning with colonial history. And this demonstrates that the promises of reconciliation need to be backed up with concrete action. People are speaking of reconciliation and they think it's moving along just fine, you know, but a genuine step would be 
to bring these women home to their families. Tara Martinez in Winnipeg says it will be a powerful day and hopes this is the last protest they will need to do. feels good to know that our voices have reached far and wide. You know, all eyes are on the landfills right now. Knowing how many people have heard the call, she's now looking to politicians to answer it. Catherine Dornian, Global News, Winnipeg. Still to come, the Seattle Seahawks take to the field today. Plus, catching up with golf pro Nick Taylor from his big Canadian Open win to teaching young golfers there's more than meets the eye. Barry DeLay has that and more. Start your family RV adventure at the Snowboard RV Show and Sale. The annual four-day event is back with over 50 booths and the biggest selection of RVs under one roof. Be there when rivals become teammates at the Labour Cup. Don't miss your chance to see six of the best men's tennis players from Europe take on six of their counterparts from the rest of the world over three days of intense competition. Tickets at LaborCup.com. For RBC, I'm Yvonne Schell. In partnership with Labour Cup, it's tennis like you've never seen it before. September 22nd through the 24th at Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Details at LaborCup.com. Barry DeLay is in now with sports. And Barry, NFL Sunday. Yes. Lots going on today. little redemption for those mm -hmm. Seahawks who did not play very well in their home opener last week. But they made up for it. Thanks, Chris. The Seahawks showed some heart today in Detroit. Seattle blew a late 10-point lead in the fourth quarter in Detroit, but then won the game with the resounding touchdown drive in Overtime, Seahawks were down 14-7 at the half. DK Metcalf actually left the game with a rib injury in the first half, but he did return to play in the second half. Seattle defense on the very first play of the third quarter forced the fumble. Seahawks recover. They've got the ball deep in Detroit territory, and they will turn that into a touchdown. Kenneth Walker runs it in for his second of the game, ties things up 14-14. Fourth quarter, Seahawks down 21-17, but Geno Smith is going to find Tyler Lockett. He drops that one in beautifully. Lockett gets both feet down. Hawks back in front, 24-21. And then Seattle widens the lead when they pick off Jared Goff. Trey Brown with the interception. He's got an open road to the end zone, a 40-yard pick six. It's the first interception Goff has thrown in his last 384 passes, third longest streak in NFL history. So it's a rarity. But the Lions aren't done. Goff will lead them back downfield and fire four yards to his former L.A. Ram teammate Josh Reynolds. 31-28. Detroit would kick a late field goal. And so this game needed overtime. But the Hawks won the coin toss. That was important. If you score a touchdown in your first drive, it's game over. And they do it. Geno to Tyler Lockett, who dives for the cone. It's a touchdown. Seahawks behind 328 yards passing from Geno Smith going to Detroit and beat the Lions, a team many feel are an NFC contender. 37-31 the final. Hawks now 1-1 one one on the season. Also today, Abbotsford's Chase Claypool, now a Chicago Bear, got his first touchdown of the season. 20-yard reception from Justin Fields, but the Bears lose 27-17. Claypool, three catches for 36 yards and the touchdown. Bears now 0-2. Well, the B.C. Lions pulled off one of their greatest comebacks ever last night at B.C. Place against the Red Blacks. B.C. was down 16 with just over two minutes to play, but they got massive plays from special teams, offense, and defense to pull out a thrilling 41-37 victory and keep their hopes of a first-place finish in the West very much alive. 
It's wide to the right. Williams is going to bring this out. He's got some blockers in front of him. If he can get the edge, they could have something here. Williams still on his feet. Williams with one block. Williams could go. He is. No flags. Terry Williams all the way. BC back in this. Ottawa brings five. Adams, the corner up to Lucky Whitehead. Whitehead, does he have it? He does. Touchdown, BC. Lions back in front. They win it 41 to 37. I can't believe what I just saw. These guys just got behind me and they still say, hey, V, we rocking with you regardless of what happens tonight. Like, we're brothers, you know? And when they told me that, I just, you know, you don't get that a lot. You know, some guys kind of just sit there and just kind of stare at you from the corner of their eye and stuff like that. But they were there for me and I just appreciate it more than anything. Yeah, good on Terry. I mean, talk about a trade that was well worth it. He's just a ball of energy and goes goes all the time. And I obviously the field goal was the biggest one, but there were obviously in the last punt return was huge. But we were really good in the kickoff return and, and punt return of being very efficient and getting getting good chunks. Well, Mike Babcock has resigned as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets before even coaching a game. Babcock came under fire recently for asking players for their phones so that he could look at personal photos during his initial meetings with players last week. Some players felt very uncomfortable. The NHLPA intervened, and after consultation with team management, Babcock resigned. He has coached 1,300 NHL games, last with the Maple Leafs in 2020. Young Stars Tournament from Penticton. The Jets and Canucks, Thomas Millich in goal for the Jets. The Coquitlam kid who won gold for Canada last year at the World Juniors. Akito Hirose with the point shot. Arshdeep Baines of Surrey takes the hit, scores the goal in heavy traffic. Coaches notice stuff like that, scoring from the tough areas. And then Hirose will set up Aiden McDonough who rifles it past Millich. 2-0 Vancouver, but the Jets, oh, that's not the right score. Got to two in the third. It went to a shootout, and Daniel Jolkin fired it past Ty Young. 3-2 Jets win in a shootout. Canucks finish up tomorrow versus the Oilers at 1.30 in Penticton. The Canucks' main camp starts Thursday in Victoria. Baseball today. Blue Jays in a dogfight for a wild-card spot in the American League, taking on the Red Sox. Boston tied it with two out on the top of the ninth, but in the bottom of the ninth, Matt Chapman, a drive to center off the wall. Kevin Biggio is going to race around to score. Jays win 3-2. They sweep the Red Sox. Mariners and Rangers lost, so the Jays are in the second wild-card right now, just two weeks to go in the Major League regular season. Vancouver Canadians are celebrating a Northwest League championship last night. The Seas exploded for a 10-2 win over the Everett Aquasox in Game 4 of the Best of 5 series. So the Canadians take it three games to one. It's their fifth Northwest League title in team history. It's been a whirlwind uh, for Nick Taylor since he won the Canadian Open back in June. He rode that momentum all the way to the Tour Championship for the first time. He'll resume his tournament play on tour in October, but for now he is back home for a little R&R and a chance to reflect on what's been the greatest year of his golfing life. Would you possibly say Absolutely. Nick Taylor's had his fair share of intense moments on the golf course this year, so he's particularly enjoying some downtime at his longtime home club, Ledgeview, in Abbotsford. This week, he gave a clinic to some young golfers who he hopes one day might get to experience the thrills the game has given to him pretty much his entire life. Do my part, try to do a little bit. You know, hopefully there's some kids here that never play golf, and hopefully they, they get the itch and they want to play. You know, all the way up to some good junior players that 
you know, if I can give a little bit of ice to get a little better, um, that's great too. Taylor's been a PGA Tour regular since 2014 and has carved out a successful career, but he took it up a few notches in 2023. He improved his short game and putting dramatically and saw instant results. He battled world number one Scotty Scheffler at the Phoenix Open, finishing second, and also teamed up with good friend Adam Hadwin for a second place finish at the team event in New Orleans. But not even he could have dreamed he would not only win the Canadian Open, but do it with one of the most epic moments in golf history. Good pace. Are you serious? Oh my goodness! Glorious and free! How many times have you watched it, would you say? A lot. A lot. I go in stretches of if something pops up, like, oh, I'll watch that again. <laughs> From different, you know, camera angles to commentating, um, it's fun to relive it. You know, it's almost hard to relive, like, my perception of, of what was going on in my head and the feeling because I've seen the different camera angles so many times. But, um, no, it's, it's a fun thing to relive. To make the moment even grander, Taylor's close friend Adam Hadwin became a social media star himself after he was flattened by a security guard while trying to spray Taylor with victory champagne on the green. I think it went through an evolution of, if he's okay, this might be the most hilarious moment. Uh, unfortunately for him, I think he took it great in stride, embraced it. His wife made it hilarious with he apologizing to the security guard. I think it just added to the story the replays are as good as it gets, but um, yeah, pretty pretty funny to have that. You know, our connection obviously, but just to have that on top is uh, kind of made it made it made it whole. Taylor is hoping he and Hadwin can team up again next year at the President's Cup, which is being held in Montreal. They've proven they're an excellent duo on the golf course, and with Mike Weir being the captain, well, why not load up on Canadian content? I think having that history together, the chemistry out there is a big deal. Um, which may be something that they missed in years past in the President's Cup. So, again, if we could bring that, it'd be incredible. And, um, yeah, we're both hoping to be on that team. For Taylor, it will be difficult to top 2023. His win, a record $6 million plus U.S. dollars in earnings. But he's just reaching his prime at age 35. The next five to ten years could be even more lucrative and successful. But no matter what happens, Nick Taylor is the star of one of Canada's most iconic sporting moments. It's so cool to have people come up, tell me about where they were, they remember it, how excited they were. That people that weren't even Canadian, you know, tell me they had tears in their eyes just for the, the magnitude of the moment it felt like just for Canadian golf. So it's really cool. Um, again, I don't think I've, I've grasped that part. It still sounds funny when people tell me that, but it's very, very cool. And you never get tired of watching mm -hmm. it. Like, I get thrill, thrills and chills watching it, you know, three times yeah. in that story. But it's <laughs> that so great. So and Nick great. is the nicest guy. He's, it's so deserved for him. So hopefully, I'm not sure how he can top it, yeah. but he's going to try. <laughs> no kidding. He was, that was amazing to see all the cheers at the different angles. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> also amazing. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barry. All right, well, we're still going to introduce you to a 79-year-old historian that's still passionate about sharing BC stories, maybe about Nick Taylor, mm -hmm. with no plans to stop. Stay with us.
This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. A Cowichan author has devoted his life to sharing and preserving history in this province. T.W. Patterson has written countless magazines, newspaper, online articles and books giving readers a glimpse into BC's past. And at age 79, he's still far from finished. Here's Jay Durant in This is BC. This whole cabinet is ghost towns. Just one of the many topics T.W. Patterson has covered over the course of his career. Shipwrecks, crime, biographies, mining, particularly coal mining. The prolific author was first published when he was just a teenager. Since then, he's written dozens of books and thousands of articles after turning his focus to nonfiction at a young age. When I was a kid, there was no Canadian history, not in the schools, not in books. It was all American television, American comic books, American magazines. BC history is his specialty, sharing tales from past centuries. People today don't stop and think about how we got here. I want to tell the story of the people who built the province of British Columbia. The good, the bad and the ugly. His home near Duncan has become a mini museum collecting artifacts from around the province. But imagine a miner working in a mine wearing a canvas hat. Patterson's received recognition and awards for his work helping to share and preserve BC's past. Still with many more stories he hopes to write in the near future. This is me. It has been now since I was 14. How, how, how do I turn that off? And this is the only way that I have of expressing my way of, of being a proud Canadian, proud British Columbian. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. So, well done. He's 79 and still not stopping. <laughs> no, Just, well, 79 is the new 59, so yeah. you've got to keep rolling. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, how's the weather looking outside? A few showers out there. We are going to see some cloud cover this evening, but it's going to brighten up and clear out just in time for heading out to work and school tomorrow morning. 18 will be the high by the afternoon. It looks to be Tuesday, blip in the forecast, greater chance for some showers. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Barry, those sun balls make mm. an appearance. <laughs> it's actually very pleasant. Temperatures right around the average, so we're looking forward to that. It'll just be Tuesday and this evening with a few spotty showers. When is our last day of uh, summer? What are we at? 20? What are, what's the date? Is it next? What? 17th. Today's the 17th. Yeah. So is it like 22nd this year? Yeah. What Did day I put is? you on the spot, Yvonne? <laughs> well, yeah. I thought you would know. I would know. I just, I don't know. I'm, already, I'm, I'm still in summer mode. 21st, I okay, the, yeah. sorry. I don't, wanna, I don't want to cut summer any shorter than yeah. that. No, let's extend it if we can. Yes. <laughs> so that's our request to you. Extend yeah. it. <laughs> All right. And before we let you go, we want to remind you again, Global News Morning, Jason Pires is joining the morning team with Caitlin, Sonia, and Mark. And they will be on air mm-hmm. bright and early at 5 a.m. Thanks They're so much. going to sleep now. Yeah, <laughs> right now, actually. Yeah. They are. Thanks so much for watching.